Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. We don't need to say, okay, so we don't need to say hi or anything. I think we do need to say hi. Yeah, I think that we need to start the podcast in some way with a salutation and greeting. Because we're doing this before. Okay. Hi, this is an intro before an intro of For the Girls Podcast. <laughs> Hi, we're introing the intro. Good morning. It's For the Girls Podcast. This is a podcast. I'm Nick about, um, and I'm Jason Black. Just kidding. That was reversed. We don't need to say what this podcast is for because they're going to hear it again when we introduce. I know, Alexis. but what about the people who just like randomly picked it because they like pink squares? Yes, this is a podcast for blush and bashful. It's a podcast. Blush and bashful. It's a podcast um, for queer people who love iconic female performers. It's it's a podcast to listen to when you're getting your hair done at the salon for a night out on the town. Doesn't that sound fabulous? Mm, it does. Um, it's a podcast about fandom. It's a podcast mainly about queer fandom, and um, definitely it's for the girls. So we only cover female performers so if you are coming here looking for a neil diamond podcast it's not gonna happen danny devito hot take no press pause we don't have anything to say about those men we actually do have something to say about danny devito because he was in ruthless people (laughs) with our diva bet midler look how look how we do that so danny devito's fine and uh yeah but other than and that, you were going to say and drowning Mona, weren't you? And she and, had and yes, drowning bitch, Mona. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who downloaded and subscribed to the podcast last week. We love talking about Audrey McDonald. Have you been? Have those songs been in your head all week, Jay? Yes. And the other thing that I've been doing is kind of doing deep dives on her composers. So I just mm. revisited uh, one of my. I think probably my top 10, I, I would even say my top five, Broadway recordings of The Wild Party with Tony Collette. Oh, I love that record. That's Michael John Lacusa and and right. iconic diva Eartha Kitt. And, and Eartha Kitt, who Nick and I just like kind of boots the house down talked about. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah. So she, she she's opened the door to a lot of uh, uh, great and wonderful things for me, like she always does. If y'all missed that episode, just scroll back. It's just one episode <laughs> under this one. <laughs> so you can actually, I think if you just keep listening to this at the end, it'll go right into Audrey McDonald. So I- you take a left and then you take <laughs> another right. And then right under this episode is the other episodes. This is It's a- tricky. It took us a little bit to figure it out. This but- is a uh, podcast about gays giving internet directions giving podcast <laughs> listening directions one comes after the other and then the next will come but if you want to go reverse back reverse chronological order which is how jason's mom listens to it yes it, yes it is and <laughs> she didn't even know it but she, but she got through them she went into that um, matrix um i also just wanted to say uh we're, we're sending special healing vibes out to uh, one of our favorite divas whoopi goldberg who has told us oh, yeah. that she's been unwell so everyone um light a candle for whoopi this week and, uh, and we we uh, await your your return, our queen, to the view. I can't wait to do a whoopee. Oh, I can't I wait to do a whoopee. I think we mentioned this, um, but I always, when I one of the things I always think about whoopee is, and I, I I don't know. Do we mention this about how in the we used to hang out in my basement? I lived in I live in this kind of ancient Michigan house, and we had what was called a Michigan basement, which just means that it was dirt, like it was full of <laughs> yeah. dirt. Um, and. Uh, my father had tools down there and a cork board. And so Nick and I took some markers and decided to make it just a little bit more fabulous <laughs> and drew all of our favorite divas. We did. Do you remember this? So we drew Whoopi. Yes, we did. Uh, who else was on that cork board? Well, the other funny thing about Whoopi is we didn't know how to spell Whoopi. <laughs> 
because we were kids. So it's like it's definitely like a a drawing of Whoopi with like some kind of fun name, uh, <laughs> Goldberg. I don't know. I don't know who else was in there. I know there was Whoopi. I, I my memory is Whoopi and Bette Midler. Right. And I can't remember. Maybe there was just it. Maybe we were like, <laughs> we're done with our portraitures. <laughs> we have our divas. If you guys like that hot take, we'll, I'll bring it back when we when we get a a, a, a Whoopi stand because we will get one. Stay tuned. I think I know one. Oh yeah, okay. I think I know a Whoopi stand. Uh, my friend who's a Whoopi stand used to have the email like Whoopi G fan six at aol.com. Oh, I love that. And he used Gosh. it like for a lot of his life. I don't think I've ever used. Oh no no no! I I am, I, I recently thought about using Bet Midler and passwords. But I've never mm. really like done that'll really that'll really prevent someone from hacking you. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I didn't, so go I ahead. Fucking try to fucking try to put it in. It's just my cat's name now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um So uh so Jay, why are we doing this intro to an intro? Okay. So uh it, it feels like we, it feels like a millennia ago when we started this podcast, but we it was really just in October and we were uh just little babies and our our first interview was with the iconic drag queen alexis michelle that was our very first interview woohoo and when she came to do liza and you know what i i realized we also forgot to mention what the girl has a gigantic tattoo eliza on her arm she does go to our instagram we'll show you a picture of it completely didn't say that so but we didn't say a lot of things and we were we were nervous and of course we we love alexis we went to school with her uh she's fabulous and we just kind of were fumbling around with the equipment and turning things on and off and and the sound quality was bad it was our first interview okay babies it was Um, so yeah so we lost a lot of mm -hmm. the interview which sucks Mm-hmm. Which sucks, but, but we did. But we cobbled together some really fabulous parts. We were able to get like a really hot thirty minutes. Yes, uh, with good sound quality and and we want to have we really will have Alexis takes. back on because she is a huge diva stand of so many people. We need to have her back oh on gosh. for the Gypsy Roundtable. We need to have her back on for the Golden Girls episode because right. she's a huge Golden Girls stand as well. But rather than torment your ears with bad audio we put together kind of a little bit of a frankenstein of an episode so if there are big jumps in topic we apologize and we apologize to alexis that we don't have the whole thing because she's so brilliant and after uh so we're, we're gonna give you the interview and then afterwards because we love liza so much jay and i are and we love get, the sound of our voices yeah obviously we are gonna give you uh we're gonna just talk through a couple more liza tracks that we love so that we cover um, as much of her astonishing career as possible. So I would. So this isn't really our pilot, but this is our very first interview that we're yeah. going to show you all right now. This is our first interview with Alexis Michelle talking about Liza Minnelli. Enjoy. Hit it. Hi, this is For the Girls. I'm Jason Black. And I'm Nick Westrate, and this is a podcast about you and your diva. This is Gays Gabbing About Girls. This is about (laughs) queers and their fandom. All right, baby, who do we have on today? Today we have on Alex Michaels, better known as Alexis Michelle. (laughs) Hi! Hi, girls. Um, Alex, uh, Alexis, you all know, is, you know, a RuPaul's Drag Race Season 9 contestant. She is an international drag queen performer she's broadway's favorite drag queen she's a recording artist and one of our oldest friends Mm. hey old friends hey old friends okay missing who are we doing today (laughs) who is our diva who is your diva (laughs) liza (laughs) yeah right off the bat me too i do i really do i always have well how'd you find her yeah, tell us, give us that, give us, we love an origin story. Okay, so this is good because it yeah. also like is a, a throwback to interlocking days, oh. which we all have in common. So Nick, this is weird. And I think, I mean, I know you'll both be super familiar with the source of this, but it's kind of a weird way to fall for Liza. Okay. Um, I'm here for it. Give us a weird Do you take. remember, uh, probably our junior year of high school, when the My Favorite Broadway uh, DVD, concert DVD was floating around. My favorite Broadway, the Leading Ladies DVD, is basically <laughs> this podcast in 90s DVD form. Excellent. So it's like super iconic as far as like all the different women that that were part of that concert. 
and um, and Liza is brilliant in a way, but as we know, it is not her finest moment on the stage. What does she do? Um, she does some people from oh. Gypsy. She and, goes crazy um, on that number. She is overweight and doesn't look sober. Let me just, oh God, I feel like I should have said this first. Go, Before we do this whole podcast. Okay. I just need it to be said that I love this woman. I adore this woman. I adore her career. Um, nothing would bring me greater joy than perhaps to have a sit-down audience with her and uh-huh. just tell her uh, what influence she's had. I mean, she knows how many faggots have told her that, right? So you would want but, to meet her. Oh, my God. You I want to meet her and okay. tell her how incredible I think her her life and career and work have been and what they've meant to me. But that being said, I'm probably going to say some things that would make her not want to sit down with me today. Well, we talk about that. We talk about how um, when when you love someone, there's oh, the good comes with the bad. Well, and to quote Mama Rose, you got to take the rough with the smooth, baby. Yes, baby. So anyway, back to my favorite Broadway. Um this is in she, high school. This is in high school, and she's not on her A-game. And she also has some really funny choreographic moments in this Some People that I thought were just iconic and incredible. And that was really, like, my first... I know that's weird, because it's it's a rough time in her... It's a, <laughs> it's a weird moment in her career, and it's documented so well. And, I mean... But it, but it captured something something about that. There was an essence, because she's fabulous, that like grabbed me. But it really was like, I kind of came to her late. I always say I came to her late, because really I came to her mom a, as a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came to Liza in high school. And once I got into that performance, that one number, then I went down the rabbit hole of do- doing my homework and my research and really checking out the body you know, the major body of her work. Had and you seen Cabaret before that? or You know, or you... I'm sure... I honestly, I have, I'm have. i having a hard time remembering timeline-wise. If I had, it's possible. My mom showed me a bunch of iconic movies as a kid. Like, she showed me Gone with the Wind and Beaches and, you know, some of the, the really important ones. Beaches <laughs> next to Gone with the Wind. I mean, what could be more crucial? Flattery will get you this, everywhere. This, at this podcast house. is also always just giving it up to the mothers. Yes. Who, yes. who let us run wild. Yes, yes, yes. Desires. And you were a Wizard of Oz kid, too. Yeah. I mean, Wizard of Oz, I always say, was, is my favorite movie. Um, Same. It, it has it has a lot going on. I watched it the other night with a friend, and I was like, this movie is epic. There's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to sort of feast on. So um, so anyway, I can't remember if I had seen Cabaret when I came across this, my favorite Broadway leading ladies performance. Now, the deeper I went into, you know, her documented career, I found the origin and it suddenly explains that performance. It certainly explains the weird choreographic moments that happen in it. Her 90s concert at Radio City uh, was directed and choreographed by Susan Stroman. Oh, wow. And she does some people in it. And she loves that song. Um, <laughs> can we just listen to a little bit of this, some people? Oh, is this from my favorite Broadway? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Giving it though, I mean, no, she, she she's giving it, and that's is why a consummate I, showwoman. Yeah, and that's why I love this performance. But as you can hear, she's not in top notch vocal health, and these moves that she do that she does they look a little frenetic. 
But if you go and watch that 90s Radio City concert, you see this choreography that Susan Stroman set on her. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. And she, you know, she looks fit as a fiddle. And she looks really glamorous executing these little hits and throws that are really in the, you know, in the orchestration. Um she, I mean, she, but this is before she got the viral encephalitis in 2000, right? That's before that, yeah. So this is right before that. Because she did face serious health challenges in her life and career. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and really that era, that 90s um, era of, of Radio City, of the film Stepping Out. Of Victor Victoria. She replaced Julie Andrews and Victoria uh, okay. for a in time. Yes. yes. So when you saw that, some people's lives, <laughs> some people, we all leave. See, listen, I just did a Bette Midler elaborate lives. Some um, people's lives is the name of a nineties uh, Bette Midler <laughs> album. <laughs> Shit. When you saw her do uh, some people yeah. in high school, were you doing drag then? Yeah, yeah, the 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 seedlings were there. Where, you were starting. I mean, I always say that drag. Um, Halloween is the the gateway drug of drag. Okay. And so I had already like broken that seal. Like I started doing drag on Halloween. I I, I started doing drag as a little boy and it kind of, you know, was replaced by cargo pants and alien workshop tees. Um, And then (laughs) in seventh grade, it resurfaced on Halloween and that is the gateway drug. And the first time I saw you in drag, you were Liza or Liza-ish on the top of the Melody Freeze? Oh, no, it was Chicago. Are we talking about, like, senior year? Uh-huh. Okay. That was the first time you saw me in drag? I think it's the first time I saw you perform in, in drag. Correct, correct. Because I was definitely, while we were in boarding school, I was definitely doing at least Halloweens. And then, actually, boarding school was where I crossed over into the dark side. <laughs> um, <laughs> because in addition to Halloween drag, I would do... I think a group of us went to winter formal in drag. junior year in drag. So it started popping up more. And then when we graduated from Interlochen at the, uh, the sort of send off festival where bands performed out in the center of main campus, I did Gloria Gaynor's disco rendition of I am what I am and looked very Liza. You looked very Liza. Yeah. And, and, um, but what, so was that look inspired by, was that, did you Oh, pull? absolutely. There was definite Liza inspiration there for sure. The other person, uh, which is, you know, someone who probably was inspired by Liza herself, I would say almost certainly is a drag entertainer known as Edie. And, um, I had seen Edie do this, uh, number at a post Wigstock party at Webster Hall. Um, I went very underage right before our senior year. And uh, she did Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield. And she just wore a little black shift dress and had a little black bob and black character shoes and sheer black tights and had two boys in black. And it was a very fossy number. Um, when I saw that, I don't think I was as deep into my Liza adoration yet, so I didn't quite understand mm. that there was certainly some influence there for Edie as well. But I would say that that performance uh, at the end of senior year was probably equal parts Liza and Edie. Wait, uh, why do you think it is that, I mean, not just drag queens, but gay gay people are so drawn to Liza like a flame, like moths to a flame? I think at the end of the day, the divas that we um, adore, I think the thing that they all have in common is their talent. Hmm. Um, I think gay people have always been tastemakers. Um, it's something I think that you can look at sort of historically um, and say was a real tragedy um, artistically of the AIDS crisis is that we lost a lot of our tastemakers. And I, I think that you you see that, I think, in the arts and I think, dare I say, in theater, um, things got vaguely watered down, um, you know, through those years. But that being said, I think that gay people have always gravitated to talent um and these these women they 
are fabulous and talented at their core um, and, of course, possess star, star quality. You know, they all have that it factor. Whether you've seen someone live and sort of witnessed it yourself, if someone is at that level of success, they have it. Mm-hmm. They do. Probably with <laughs> a few busted exceptions. But, but for the most part, the divas that we all consider, you know, icons, um, they all have it. Hmm. Can I just say, there was, I, I, I'm not going to claim this as my own because I read this in, um, I, I forget what magazine did, a ranking of all the different, uh, it was maybe Vulture did a ranking of all the different Snatch Game performances on Drag Race of all time. And I love what they wrote about yours. And it was that you did Liza without ever um, making fun of her. You just celebrated her. And it came from such a place of love and joy. And I'd love for you to, is it, because I feel like that's always how I see you perform, Liza. You never punch down at her. You always just exalt her. That's sort of my philosophy around drag in general. You know, there's certain staunch types who poo-poo drag as being a mockery or making fun or putting women down when really what I aim to do is celebrate the woman because as is as what this podcast is about is our love of these women Mm -hmm. and that's how I come at it from I also come at it you know I come at drag from with some influence from the past which is when drag queens all used to impersonate the great divas. That's what female impersonation was. And so I took a little bit of that. I I sort of came in at a time where you wanted to have your note, your handful of current pop songs that you did, but you also were like, and who do you do? That was often a question. Who do you do? Hmm. What was that feeling like winning it with Liza? Like what what, what was that just that honor? I mean it was it was the it was probably the greatest gift I could ask for. You know, if I wasn't gonna go to the top four and even win Drag Race, winning the Snatch Game as Liza was the biggest gift I could ask for because I'd been doing her for so long and loved her so much that I I think more than anything, if I had gone on there and blown it, I would have felt bad coming home to my friends, to you guys. I would have been like it's just wasn't what it was supposed to be you know it's intense i mean we talk about loving our idols but being mm-hmm. your if, idol if, on national television if i had fallen on my face i never would have gotten over it i would have been severely severely depressed i know it so i was definitely ready but the pressure was on i felt intense pressure leading into that challenge because i was like i can't mess this up. I have to, I have to kill this. Ring them bells, it's Liza Minnelli, or is it Lisa Minnulli? No, it's Liza with a Z, it has a Z. Liza with a Z. With a Z, really? Yes, Liza with a Z. Liza Minnelli. I said Lady Bunny's palace. Her palace? Because there's nothing like playing the palace. Mama played the palace, and I sat right in the fourth row room. Wow. She sang right to me. Oh, boy. And to all the other homosexuals. Yes. <laughs> all right, Liza with a Z. Rue, I said that you can swap jazz hands. <laughs> can you show us your jazz hands? So that intense knowledge that you have about Liza that you talk about after you, you know, you talked about discovering her, but then how, what was your um, deep dive into knowledge about Liza like? It's the same journey. Like I had the same experience with Barbara. Um, When it comes to sort of diving in, I usually start at the beginning, a very good place to start. Um, (laughs) I started with Flora, the red menace. Um, She made her Broadway debut at 19 in this show and won a Tony for it. And um, she was the the youngest winning um, actress uh, for uh, at the Tonys until um, Daisy Egan in The Secret wow. Garden. And really, what's striking about this performance at nineteen is she really didn't didn't come across like your average nineteen year old. The voice is big and mature and the performance was really commanding. She really knew how to like take the stage in a way that I, you know, some young people 
you know, now don't. But there's, al- I mean, there's also such a different style of performing now. Shall we hear a bit of it? Oh, yeah. My heart sing happy. Give me a hallelujah and get up and shout. Tell me the sun is shining around the corner. Whoever's interested in helping me out, please keep. And singing with her whole body, her yes. whole being. I see. I see her mama. I see like the gifts her mama gave her. I mean, I mean, it's her own. But I'm like, <sighs> I. Th- I mean, you're touching on something that I think is very sensitive, and perhaps to me one of the most fascinating questions to ponder, which is, would she have been as big of a deal as she is without being Judy Garland's daughter, or? Would she have been bigger? Because there is still a part of me that feels like she lived a little bit in the shadow of her mother. And that takes a psychological toll, and that takes a confidence toll. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to be Judy Garland and Vincent Minnelli's child. And to live the life that she... I mean, just, just just even normal Hollywood kids have a life that is unusual. Yeah, and and I there was nothing normal about her upbringing, I imagine. I mean, she she says that there were there were normal elements, but sorry girl, I'm calling uh I'm calling bullshit on that. There was nothing normal. See, I don't know what it would be like for her to, you know, if she was separate, but I I see I just see her mother the gifts of her mother living inside of her. I mean, in, there's in the, definitely the energy the Oh, there's, intensity that's there's like, definitely oh, some genetic like yes. gift for sure, and then there's also you know she Judy probably told her how to sell it you know she probably and and maybe Liza learned from watching too, but and and I'll I'll also use this moment to say I think that there's a really um, strong distinction. Uh, don't get me wrong, I actually think that Judy was a really really beautiful, lovely instinctual actress but I think what separates them because really they're both known primarily as singers but Judy was the voice she was one of one of the voices of the century and um, while Liza is wildly famous for her singing I think her real gifts are in the acting department oh wow Um, that's sort of the distinction I'd make between them I would favor Judy's singing and Liza's acting. She's a great actor. The Sterile Cuckoo is such a heartbreaking mm-hmm. performance. I was just thinking watching this too. There's so much hope in her work always. Like her character, she plays a lot of broken characters mm-hmm. who have this insane hope that they're going to be able to fix their situation. You got to find the joy. Everybody loves a winner. So nobody loved me. Lady peaceful, lady happy, that's what I long to be. Well, all the odds are there in my favor. Something's bound to begin. It's gotta happen, happen sometime. Bye. 
Everybody love me Lady peaceful Lady happy That's what I long to be Well, all the odds are They're in my favor Something's bound to begin It's gotta happen Happen sometime Maybe this time Maybe this time I'll win She always plays the joy. She plays the joy through all of Cabaret. And, and you know what? It's so beautiful. It's also the way she represents herself in her life. She's definitely been honest in interviews about her lows. But the woman always has a positive shine on things. There's always a little laugh, like, waiting mm-hmm. to come out. She's the first to laugh, too. She, yep. She'll be the first to, like, tell you the story. And she's also, when she talks about her mother, because people talk about her mom as this, like, tragic figure, and she always says, Mama knew what she was doing. Oh, wow. So Ooh. she's always taking ownership and, like you said, sort of laughing before everybody Someone else. gets to her. It's incredible. I mean, so there's the there's the albums. She made so many albums in the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the- major recording artist. And I mean, she also uh, in the seventies had this this really incredible moment. She she was cast in Cabaret, mm-hmm. and I think with the making of Cabaret and then the critical success, and of course, like they all won all the awards. She and Joel and Bob and they won all them, won Oscars. And it was the same year as The Godfather, so to win them that year too, what, it was a big deal. Like Bob won over Francis Ford Coppola for The Godfather, which right. was just, and Joel Grey won over um, Al Pacino. I think not sure. You'll have to check someone that. from The Godfather. I know my gals, not my guys. Yeah. It's not a gangster yeah. podcast. I just passed out right when you right when you were saying right when The Godfather came out. I lost me. But yes, she won the Academy Award that year. And she really she really was having quite a moment. It was like it was mid-70s. I want to say 75. 72. Ooh, 72. Excuse mm-hmm. me. And um, coming off of the success of that, she was really um, one of the biggest stars in the world. And, um, and that's when Liza with a Z happened. And that's, you know, to me, you know, speaking of how I went back and did my research. To me, that is the most golden, shining example of this woman's talent and contribution to the arts. Is that one of your favorite? Is that just... Oh, my God. I mean, and also, we don't do that anymore. It was a one-night live television special um, that they rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and just did it on TV. And, you know, I, I, I miss those days... If you're if you're really nerdy and you watch really closely, there's a very excited Gwen Verdon clapping her face off in the audience wow. during the broadcast. Yeah, is oh. that is that something you go back to that concert? Oh, always. There's certain things you know. If I'm like having a low okay. day, mm-hmm. there's a few things that will like really lift me up. It's funny. A lot of them have to do with Fosse movement. You know, so it's not just Liza, but there's, you know, virtually all of that concert can lift me up. There's also um, a scene from All That Jazz when Anne Ranking and the girl playing Fosse's daughter do Everything Old is New Again for, um, you know, for him, the, the fictitious him in his loft. And that's like, again, it's this Fosse movement that just really speaks to my soul. I feel like there are people who can who are good dancers and, and and can do impeccable, but watching Liza move, she's she is just ecstatic to be able to do. You know what I mean? Like she, every H to T, she is living. She's living, and she's that. she's embodying, and she's acting with her body. Mm-hmm. She's telling stories with her body, and actually, that brings me to a moment in Cabaret that ha- had a really profound influence on me as a queen and me as an actor even. Another friend of ours from high school, Dane Joseph, mm-hmm. pointed out to me that his favorite moment in Cabaret, it's 
it's Liza's last shot in the film. She's walking away from Cliff on the train platform and it's shot of her from behind and she puts her hand with the green nails up and just waves. And it's just a shot of her hand from behind and it was the first time I think I understood that like you act with every bit of yourself and how expressive hands can be. And it actually kind of started this obsession I have with hands. I love performers with iconic hands. So like Barbara, Barbara, Liza, even a more current example, um, Celia Keenan-Bolger acts the shit out of her hands. I mean, she's a beautiful actress, generally, I'd say, but her hands are so expressive, and I've always just just really been taken with that. Our girl Bet uses her hands as wings all the time. <laughs> but I think you're right. It's, it, it's that thing that you can say so much in that tiny gesture, just when yeah, she yeah, waves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're back, just right there, the longing. You know, the, the, the truth of that moment hits you. Mm-hmm. She's saying goodbye. And and the strength. She's only going to do it once. I mean, that movie it's is a, such a... It's a clean break. Yeah. It was such a huge thing for me as a kid. I kind of... It was like one of my first erotic gayness mm-hmm. movies. With like Michael York's bisexuality mm. in that movie. How I delicious. Could, I would just watch it again and again and again and again. Um, what's your favorite number from Liza with a Z? I bet I can guess it. <laughs> Can you? Do you got it? I think I, I, think think I got gotcha. it. I think we might have it queued up to play for you. <laughs> Let's listen to a little bit and then talk about it. This is I Gotcha from Liza with the... I gotcha! Uh-huh, you thought I didn't see you now, didn't you? Uh-huh, you tried to sneak by me now, didn't you? Uh-huh, now give me what you promised to me, give it to me, come on! the day that you quit your girlfriend but i'd be the next one to move on in you promised me it would be just us two and i'd be the only one kissing on you when they have never seen her under the age of 60, you know? Because so many people see her as sort of as she is now, which we really just get these little glimpses of her um, currently. Do people reference, um, uh, what is Arrested Development? Arrested Development. Is that like something that they're like, oh, it's it's some people know her from that. She's um, kind of kooky on that. And yeah. That they think that and also comedic genius. Yeah, yeah. So funny. Ah. You know, and that's, again, the mark of a really strong actor is someone who... Um, takes stakes seriously, whether it's, you know, serious, tragic stakes or in the case of Arrested Development, it's really friggin' funny, but it's it's working because she's taking every moment seriously. Have you been able to see Liza? Have you ever yes, seen her? Yeah. I've seen her live a couple times. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess my first time was when she did Liza's at the Palace. Um, oh which God. would have been, I want to say, 2009, either 2008 or 2009. And um, I got really stoned and treated myself to front mezzanine ticket. Get a girl. Oof. Wow. How it was, was really, that? really great. It was great. You know, it was, le- it was certainly, certainly not Eliza with a Z experience, you know, seeing her move the way she used to move. But it was a chance to see her interpret which is really, as I said, I think she's such a, a dynamic actor. And so it was a chance to see some more sort of intimate moments, including this song, which to me is, it's a great interpretation moment. It's also, I think, kind of a nod of this diva to her to her gay fans. Oh, I love that. Ooh. Okay, so this is... I don't, I don't know this one. I Me either. It's called What Makes a Man a Man. You don't know this? No. Mary, get no, out sorry. of here. I, I, listen, I have to be I'm honest. Sorry. I actually know Liza at the Palace, and I 
I just am blanking on the song right now. I'm I feel like terrible about it. My mom and I, we live alone. A large apartment is our home in Fairhome Towers. We have to keep us company, two dogs, a cat, a parakeet, some plants and flowers. I help my mother with the chores. I wash, she dries, I do the floors. We work together. I shop and sew and cook a bit, though she does too, I must admit. I do it better. At night, I work in a strange par, impersonating every star. I'm quite deceiving. The customers come in with doubt and wonder what I'm all about. But leave believing. I do a very special show where I am nude from head to toe. After strip teasing, each night the men look so surprised. I change my sex before their eyes. Tell me if you can, what makes a man a man? Ooh, I mean, I think. What she did there, in addition to just good storytelling, you know, she's singing this song about um, uh, a European um, drag queen, basically. Um, I think it's a really interesting nod um, and acknowledgement to both the fact that, like, the gays have always been about supporting their dolls and, and she knows the community that's that's always been behind her. Um, and it's also a really interesting acknowledgement because she's singing from the point of view of a female impersonator who impersonates the stars, which is something that so many female impersonators did was impersonating her. So many levels. Yeah. That's just so it's much deep. stuff to, deep, deep to unpack. And you saw that live? Saw I her saw do her that do number? that. I, I'm pretty sure she did that yeah. in, in Liza's at the Palace. Yeah. Um, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us on For the Girls. Thanks, Thanks for, sharing for having your love me. about Liza. Thanks, girls. Yeah, it was wonderful. And we're back, kitties. <laughs> that was um, our uh, kind of Frankenstein cobbled together, but yet very uh, beautiful interview with Miss Alexis Michelle. Thank oh, you, Alexis. Thank you, Alexis. Being Ever, our test. Everyone Being follow our... Alexis on everything. And she just did yeah. like this great special that was out last weekend on TLC called Drag Me Down the Aisle um, with some of her RuPaul sisters. It's really great. You all should watch it. Yes, please. And and so we're going to keep going on Liza uh, to, to honor Liza yeah. and, of course, our special guest, Alexis. Um, and we were just ending talking with Alexis about a, li- a live performance, and uh, which is an easy segue into me. I, on one of my birthdays, I think I had turned, it was, it was so bizarre. I think I turned like 20, maybe 24. Oh my God. And um, uh, I was going with a guy I was seeing and uh, one of my straight best friends who I called Kitty, who I still call Kitty. And Kitty called my boyfriend Basquiat because that's <laughs> what Kitty said he looked like. <laughs> and we went to fucking Coney Island with a beach towel to see none other than Liza Minnelli's free concert. Oh. And what was the occasion of her giving a free concert in Coney Island? Fucking beats me. But it was <laughs> it was there. And that's what I did for my birthday with just kind of this random uh, neither of the people I went with like uh knew that much about Liza. And it was just such a, such a, I mean, I just can't imagine being in Coney Island and seeing her. And she was, I, rem, I remember she really stumped for Jenny Craig for like a hot, like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, in the concert? In the concert. Like that was her concert pattern was like partial Jenny Craig commercial? She did a partial Jenny Craig commercial and she, oh, in the middle of it was that. like, do y'all ma- mind if I sit down? And she just sat down and crooned to us under the stars. Oh, and, and it's August, your birthday too, so it was probably warm and beautiful. Gorgeous, it was Ugh. gorgeous. It was, and then we rode the cyclone afterwards. I mean, come on, is that not a New York moment? Like Ugh. that is too too iconic. 
I haven't gotten to see her live, but I'm obsessed with this concert of hers from uh, 1972, which I guess would have been like right when Cabaret came out. And mm-hmm. uh, it was in Paris. And it's Liza Minnelli live in Paris. And it's an incredible concert in which she has a lot of great jokes about how bad she is at French, <laughs> which is really fun. I wanted to play this song because it's a really good example of how good a singer she is. Because I think a lot of the Liza conversation can sometimes be around her, um, her the the decline in her voice and the decline in some of the things that happened to her in her life. But she's such an incredible singer, and she not she could also she sometimes sang with great restraint, you know. Oh yeah, she was you know she was a she's an interpreter. She because this is what I was going to ask you. I was going to say what 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 is the uh, if if her mama and her were an instrument, what would it be? Oh, It'd be a brass instrument. Right? They would but both would be, be brass and like brass, but what like 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 the trumpet and the right and the trombone. Trombone to me, it's a trombone. Liza's a slide trombone, right? Yes, Liza's a slide trombone, and this is why I think this this record that we're gonna play kind of illustrates that she can take that instrument, the trombone, and made, and kind of bring it to a flute. Yeah, you know? yeah, or a clarinet or something. It's so she's she really is a jazz musician too, and she mm-hmm. responds so beautifully with a jazz ensemble and performing live with a jazz ensemble. And she, it's um, she's an incredible vocal musician. All right, let's play this. So this is called "I Will Wait for You" from uh, Paris in 1972. If it takes forever, I. It's so funny because it, she does bring the flute into her trombone, but she's still, she has that full, um, she, she still brings that full brassy voice to that tenderness. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't seen her sing this song, but I, I, I'm reminded that her and Judy both have the same kind of quality where in their eyes, they act a lot in their eyes, mm. you know, when they're performing and, and they can bring out that wounded child, that kind of searching wounded child mm-hmm. in their big voices. And it's, and it conveys so much. Oh, I'm getting shivers. And, it, and it's really, it's, um, I mean, it's so special. Well, and it's so much of those things. It's so haunting. So much of those things are childlike too. So many of those adjectives we use for her, like this is like longing. But before mm-hmm. we were talking about with maybe this time, like the hope she has, hope and longing and that kind of, that op, that childlike optimism in mm-hmm. the face of terrible circumstances. That is something right. that both of them have so beautifully. And it's like, I love hearing this small, how small she can use her voice too in the song is really incredible. You know, Liza really... She really, her, she she came alive on stage, and and you and Alexis talk about this, and I would encourage you, like again, back to the God. If we don't get sponsored by YouTube, because it really is a wealth of seeing, seeing yeah. her on stage, and 
and uh, and, and performing. She really never, she never found her footing, at least with commercial success in mm-hmm. her record career. Right. Uh, she, she she did a, a couple of of sixties records, and and we should shout out right uh, 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 one of the records that we absolutely love. Oh, there is uh, a time. From 1966, mm-hmm. I, I would encourage anyone to listen to it. It has it has some great tracks on it. And My Lord re- is one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. It's a really young album. I mean, There Is a Time is an amazing song. She's so young and so beautiful. But yeah, she, she had a lot of great recordings up until about, I mean, she kind of stopped recording for a long period of time and then had a big record in the 80s. Yeah, she. I think, you know, the 70s were all about rock. And she... Mm-hmm. She just kind of like her mama loved singing the standards mm-hmm. and Broadway, and it just wasn't all current. I mean, listening to them now, I think they're just they're absolutely fascinating and wonderful. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, she never really quite gained uh, kind of that success. And then her her last studio album was in '77, and then she she did uh, kind of like a wonderful string of films like Arthur, yes. uh, which not many people talk about, but that's she's great in it. She's so good in Arthur. I think she was nominated for an Academy Award for Arthur. I think you're correct, but I, and I only say think because we have not looked it up. Nope, uh, sure nope, haven't. No, we didn't. Sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then yes, and then comes '89, in which she kind of does this like absolutely fascinating collaboration with the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, and the Pet Shop Boys bring their kind of um, synth sensibilities to Liza's uh, Broadway brass voice, and it is just such a fascinating. Um, kind of wonderful melding of those two talents and the known single from that uh is um a song called losing your mind from steven sodheim's follies from losing, 1971 losing my mind <laughs> but i'm losing your mind too baby okay <laughs> don't Fuck. leave your mind with Jason. shit He's gonna drop it it's What's okay wrong with going. it's so good uh yes, it's really good. It's <laughs> losing your mind. That's my <laughs> that's my response song to lose to someone saying I'm losing my mind. Anyways, it's a yeah. It's anyways, it's a really cool. You know, it's a Broadway song that that, that they bring into this kind of um, uh, kind of dark synthy cl- uh, uh, mix. And my goodness, will I get out of my uh, you know geriatric chair to dance to this <laughs> when I hear it at the club. The sun comes up, I think about you. The coffee cup, I think about you. I want you so, it's like I'm losing my mind. The morning ends, I think about you. is going to bring Broadway to the children. She was going to make Broadway cool one way or another. Yeah, I yeah, and I think we get so we we so rarely kind of get uh, someone taking an absolute like left, you know, of center sensibility and taking another one's sensibility and then smashing it together to get these really fascinating results. So please, more of that of results. That's the name of, of the album. Yes, also, ma'am, it is. Look what I did. Also, you should li- watch her do it on YouTube. She performed that at the Grammys that year. And it's just Drama. her by herself on stage, like dancing her. Fuck, it's like an 80s jazz dance class. And she's in this black turtleneck. And she's got mm. a big kind of floppy bob with her bangs mm. are all over the place. And she has these silver uh, bracelets on. And she, it's so fucking good. And there's smoke on the stage. Go see it now. It's amazing. And then um, one of I I remember uh, going and visiting you in New York, and oh yeah, just, oh right, yes, 
always fascinated that this was back when people would this was like in the waning days of cds so like you were kind of buying them but not really and i was always so fascinated that that mr mr over here had what (laughs) that's that's me um liza's back it was actually the um liza's back is this concert she gave in new york gosh i would just started school and my friend anna o'donohue got me this cd because i also used to do a liza impersonation all the time (laughs) and in my first year at juilliard i would do this liza impersonation all the time which they really made them excited that they had accepted me and got this but my mind that i always asked nick was i'd be like nick do liza on rosie do you remember no what what did i say Okay, so the Liza on Rosie, <laughs> this was after, like, because Eliza has, I think we talk about this, has had ha- uh, some health scares. Yes. And she got back up, uh, she got back up to do, I think, New York, New York. And right before it, she looks at Rosie and she goes, Rosie, I'm dancing again. And Rosie. then just starts, I'm yeah. dancing. <laughs> and oh, I used to have you do that for this, me anytime I was blue. This is why we weren't on <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race, because nope. we're just, just us shouting. But uh, Juilliard was right across the street from Tower Records, the old Tower Records on 66 and Broadway, where oh, I used to so rent great. I used to rent some fucking queerest folk DVDs, because <gasps> sure as hell couldn't watch those when I was at home with my parents. And you couldn't buy the the box set. Right? I didn't have You're that like kind of money. I'm like 70, but no. I'm not an oil tycoon. I can't buy the <laughs> Queerest Folk box set. Jesus. We're artists. <laughs> we have to rent it. I would rent it, but I would also buy CDs. But my friend Anna O'Donohue, you know, enamored with my Liza Minnelli impression, bought me the Liza's Back CD, which is the, um, her comeback at right after she married David Guest and had an iconic uh, reality show about her relationship with David Guest. And my friend Nick Mayo and I went over to Tower Records for when she did a signing of it. And they were doing like an E! True Hollywood story about <laughs> Liza at the time that I think Nick and I are actually in because oh we waited, we and like a few other gay people waited for her outside the door of Tower Records for her to walk in. And I actually did shake her hand as she and <gasps> David Guest walked inside. Hey, hey. So I have something. I seen have her touched live, the technically. hand. Te- technically, I have seen her live in the sense that I shook her hand and she was very nice to me for the few seconds that we had together. Um, <laughs> someone find, someone go find that E! True Hollywood story with me in it. But there's this moment on this CD that's my favorite moment. Um, when she sings Neverland from Peter Pan. And uh, I don't even want to say anything else. And I'm just going to play this moment for you guys. So come with me where dreams are born And time is never planned Just think of lovely things And your heart will fly on Yeah, that's the. She never sang over the rainbow like fully, and I think that's like the most of it she ever sang. And there was, I just love that. Thank you, Mama. That whole idea of her well, just you know thanking why? her in this huge way. No, why? Well, because and 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 Liza says this. Uh, 
that Judy told her to never, ever sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow because of how much it haunted her. She wanted that, you know, she was like, just let that song die. Judy requested that Liza, so Liza promised her mother. That's why she has never sung it. Wow. Mm-hmm. So she kind of did, but she was able to do an homage uh, with that oh, song wow. we just listened to. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that very homage. Cool. I love that Liza's back concert. I love that she divorced David Guest very quickly thereafter. Gosh, gosh, the aughts were crazy and fun. What an ugly, Man. ugly decade. It was uh, kind of, I know, but, when are the aughts coming back? I'm terrified. Like the 90s are back now. Oh, the aughts are coming back. I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people kind of in like the, oh no, I guess that's the 90s. They're kind of doing the Christina Aguilera, like Britney Spears kind of mm-hmm. like trash pleather look. Um, mm, keep that in. Um, <laughs> bash, bash Britney and Christina. That's always good. Because <laughs> the Britney and wanna... Christina fans have definitely made it to the hour mark on the Liza Minnelli episode. I know they have. <laughs> um so yeah so those are three songs of liza's that we just love and three performances that are so crucial and i that i go back to a lot and listen to a lot and since everyone asked professor jason for his real hot take um at the end of this episode on liza minnelli i uh you know what i find so fascinating about liza is that she she truly is an icon and uh and the song that we're gonna go out on is I would consider like one of our few national anthems mm-hmm. uh, that that was written for a movie that she was in. And, uh, you know, her career just to me is so interesting and it's such a fun thing to dive into because it, it really isn't that, that well known. Like I think a lot of people really think that they uh, remember her and know her because of her iconic things in Cabaret and, and her obviously like her, her mother being one of the greatest stars of the 20th century. Uh, but I think there's a lot of stuff to unearth about Liza. And it, it's been super fun uh, uh, with Alexis to uncover it. And, and then afterwards to kind of do a more of a deeper exploration for myself. Um, uh, which is why we have this podcast, sweetie. So you can just <laughs> go away and really learn some things. So I would encourage everyone to... Uh, kind of do a Liza dive. I think they'll be surprised. I think it's a, it's um. Oh. I think you, you I think you might know her, but there's surely a lot more there that I found. And it's and also I encourage s- everyone. It's so unpredictable. At the beginning of this, oh, if you haven't guessed already, this song that we're going to go out on is called <laughs> <laughs> New York, New York. <laughs> um, it's definitely her signature song, I would say. But um, absolutely. Um, I. It's so funny because you can. This is a good example of something with Liza. You can see her saying so many different times over the decades, and it's always different. But in this version we're going to play is from um, uh, her live concert at Radio City in 1991, and she giggles a lot through it. She laughs a lot. There's just, like, she's so happy. Because joy. She's so, joy. so much joy. She's so happy about singing. She's so happy to be in front of people. There's... You know, there's just so much joy with her. But I was I was sitting thinking before we started taping about, like, why is it that not just queer people, but everyone in New York identifies Liza Minnelli with this song, and New Yorkers think of her as singing their national anthem more than maybe even Frank Sinatra, who sang this song a lot, too. And I was um, just, why do you think that is? I mean, because of, because she literally, I mean, because she literally just imbues, uh, you know, the sentiment of that song of like actually perseverance, perseverance. Yeah. Mm, There's a word perseverance. And she, she literally is living every line until that like unbelievable, uh, uh, finale where she just is bursting out of her seams. And then just again, it's, that's so funny. Like if you were to ask this, like, uh, you know, idiot queen talking about myself like when that song was written i'd be like oh probably in the 1800s like that's so classic i I don't know that's so classic i think that song is it was written at the constitutional convention in 1776 the french were pissed um (laughs) (laughs) or seriously that's a i don't know i i have no idea what time is sweeties i live i live beyond it um but it's 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 seriously it's that 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 iconic of a song and and it's hers right I mean it's just I was totally just thinking I was I was also just thinking of how 
she is New York, you know, she's, she's Broadway, she's boozy, she's tough, she's smoky, she's Italian, she's this irrepressible, she's like a New York subway car, you know what I mean? She's just this irrepressible thing that is, everything about her is New York City. Uh, yeah. I can't even imagine Liza Minnelli in the woods. Like, I can't imagine her outside in nature. Like, Coney Island's about as natural as I think of Liza Minnelli ever being. I kind of can imagine her in the woods, like, just, like, kind of giving, like, a fossy stare with, like, a big throw around her. Like, (laughs) I'm not supposed to be here, you know? And then, like, a car zooms up and she just gets back in. Like, she's like, I went glamping. I I stood between trees. But yeah, yeah. I mean, she is, she is, she's so, you know, urbane. Like, it's like she's New York and she's Paris, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's, she, she's, she lives in a lounge where she just croons to us. I and, know. Um, oh. I, I love you, love you, love you, Liza. Love you, Liza May. Um, love everyone who's listened to this. Love Alexis Michelle. Love Alexis. Yes, love Alexis everyone. Michelle. Um, subscribe and download for us please um (laughs) tell all your friends at the liza minnelli impersonators convention about this episode yeah yeah so and and then after you go to the convention go on your um web page where you talk to all of her other fans and promote it yes and uh follow us on instagram uh facebook twitter um iTunes for the girls for the girls pod Odd. or for the girls podcast um and uh, what else should we tell people to do uh just live a little and listen to some Liza listen to some week. Liza yeah Absolutely. listen let let Liza like march you through the week she's definitely oh. someone you can like march you march. can you can stomp down the sidewalks with confidence with little with Miss Minnelli in your ears Yes, 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 please. And maybe take a video and send it to us because yeah, send that's us, inspirational. Send us videos of you strutting around to, <laughs> to Liza singing Tonight is Forever or something. Fabulous. Okay, um, goodbye, kittens. We love you. Love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. I'll make a brand new start of it. It all.